Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City-based veteran jazz guitarist Scott Emmerman. He opened up about his brand new 2023 CD called Spheres. It is music inspired by the love of jazz, fusion, and the influences imparted while growing up in the Rogers Park neighborhood of Chicago during the 70s. His compositions feature dynamic guitar playing incorporating elements of R&B, jazz, and rock. Born in Chicago, Scott was steeped in the blues at an early age but became enamored with the music of Jimi Hendrix and later began to explore jazz through the music of John McLaughlin. We cover his rich life in jazz and well beyond enjoy nice to meet you so where are you located kansas city you're here in kansas city yep i didn't realize that wonderful yeah i it it just doesn't happen that often that i talk to anybody from kansas city i'm kind of like okay (laughs) that's cool yeah i've lived lived here since uh 2016 okay right on well we're gonna peel back all the layers of everything that's going on (laughs) okay (laughs) so Where are you at in Kansas City exactly? I'm up near the airport near uh, Zona Rosa area. I got you. Okay, right on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I'm I'm at the. Uh, I actually moved to the home of Pat Metheny in January 2020, out here in Lee Summit. But yeah, well, cool, man. So I want to begin our conversation with what we lived through for the last three and a half years or so with with COVID. How did you get through the pandemic, and how did it change you? COVID for me, um, I know it's kind of uh, ironic, but it was great because I'm a sales rep for a guitar company. Okay, That's what I do to make a living. And I travel all the time. But when COVID hit, I was grounded. No more traveling. I was home and had time on my hands. So I began, um, you know, composing and, um, you know, recording at home a lot. So it was, a, it was really a nice uh, time for me because uh, I had all that extra extra time to uh, devote to music. So um, I put together my first album called Rogers Park, which we released in January of, uh, of this year. It was actually recorded, uh, you know, the previous year, but uh, we had a producer out in LA, kind of a, a legendary bass player named Jimmy Haslip. And he produced uh, the that first record and he was hard to sometimes nail down because he's a busy guy. So, um, but, and we got that album out in, in January and um, yeah. So, you know, COVID enabled me to have that, you know, time and energy. Uh, in it. So it was great. I, I, I keep hearing there's so many silver linings. I mean, it doesn't take away from all the woe that we went through, you know, oh. and people that were lost, but I do find that I think, and I think at the end of the day, it's really about, a lot of what we were before we went into this was only magnified. You know, you, we, we had choices to make the best out of our time and you just have to diversify when things like this happen. And no one, I, I don't remember. I've heard stories of people that went through the Spanish flu, but I didn't really talk to anybody that had anything to do with any level of pandemic and how every single aspect of our lives were altered, you know, and we just had to find a way through. So yeah. Yeah. it was interesting. Yeah. Um, so let's get into your latest album spheres and how does it feel to have new material out now does it feel relieving and good how how does this release feel yeah it feels great i mean um i try to keep you know um you know music flowing you know compositions flowing it's not always easy sometimes you're inspired sometimes you're not um but um yeah it was really cool because it you know rogers park was like the beginning of a certain kind of 
sound uh, and kind of musical style that I was kind of working on. And I think Spheres is the, the next step, is the evolution. So it kind of spread out a little more. Um, I have a, a collaborator I work with who's in Los Angeles who plays drums, Marty Zevin. And um, um, he actually played on fewer tunes on Spheres. He played on about half of the tunes on the uh, on the album um so i i think it just was a kind of a next evolution as far as where the that style and that sound was going so what are you hoping the listener gets from this album well it's definitely uh uh it's a fusion album and i know some people think of you know fusion is a you know like a dirty word uh you know a purist you know think of it that way but unfortunately when i you know I pick up a guitar or I compose fusion music is what comes out. Um, that's just what, what, you know, I grew up in that era. Um, my musical identity, all my heroes all kind of came from that era. So um, if anything, I just want people to hear it and to really, you know, have their ears opened, you know, to maybe a different kind of uh, fusion-y sound. Uh, you know, a lot of people think of, you know, fusion is what they hear on watercolors on, uh, XM, which, you know, I can't listen to myself, you know, personally. Um, I find it to be just, you know, too watered down and, and just not, you know, lacking in kind of originality and energy. So I think, you know, the stuff on Spheres has got a lot of energy. And I think it's um, maybe a different take on what I would call fusion music. So how did this journey into the jazz and music begin for you? Tell me where you were born and raised and how it all started. Sure. I grew up in Chicago. Um I played guitar since I was a little kid, um, and you know I was grew up into the music of you know blues and rock because that's what was all around you in Chicago growing up. And of course, Jimi Hendrix was my idol as a kid. You know, wanted to play like him, you never could, of course, but you know that was what I was into doing, and um, was happy in that music until one day a friend of mine um, played me a John McLaughlin album. He actually played me the first Mahavishnu album and I was totally floored. I was just knocked down. It's like, what is this? You know, who is this? No idea what it was about. And I just was infatuated and, you know, f you know, fell in love. So I, um, I then went to um, a record store. Okay. Remember when there were record stores? Yes. Went to yeah, you know, and looked in, you know, John McLaughlin's, uh, you know, record bin. And I, I began to see that he played on albums by guys like Miles Davis and Tony Williams. And who are these guys? And Miles Davis, okay, who's playing on this record? Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea. You know, so that's kind of how I got into jazz was through John McLaughlin and his music leading me into all the different places he played, which led me into all the other uh um, musicians. And of course, I have a love for really all jazz. I mean, I love everything from, you know, Freddie Hubbard and John Coltrane, Dexter Gordon. You know, I go back and, you know, enjoy that stuff. Um, but as a guitar player, you know, it's kind of funny because on um, the guitar was not really a featured instrument in the 50s very much. You had a couple guys, but not as much as the horn players and, you know, woodwind players. Um, so uh, it, it, it um, I mean, I listened a little bit to, you know, some of the uh, kind of mainstream jazz guitar players, but that was really not really my thing. It was more the kind of the fusion -y thing. But uh, yeah, so that's how I got into it. You know, I'm always surprised at how good Les Paul was at the whole jazz game. I remember those early recordings. They were really good. Yeah, he was a great player. Yeah. yeah. yeah he had 
Yeah, a lot of, I find that, you know, the average guitar player in, in, in 2023, I don't care what it is. It could be, you know, country music, you know, whatever kind of style it is, but their technique has improved and evolved over the average guitar player from maybe the 60s or, you know, the, the 70s. And I think it has to do uh, on the fusion thing. I think that's that kind of fueled, um, um, you know, the expertise of guitar players. Yeah, for sure. So what was the first live show that you saw that blew you away? Uh, well, the first live show I ever saw was actually Alice Cooper. Right on. <laughs> and it blew me away because he was hung from the scaffold in the show. That was part of the <laughs> the stage show. So that kind of blew me away. I was a kid. I was probably, you know, 14. Uh, you know, musically, it didn't really blow me away. Although the opening act was quite interesting. It was actually Dr. John. and wow. But it was when he first came out and he was doing a very commercial thing where he had on this, you know, like a voodoo headdress and like a voodoo priest kind of guy. I mean, it was not about his piano playing or his any of that. It was more like a show, you know, thing. But I remember seeing that and go, wow, this guy's really cool, pretty interesting kind of music. So that was my first concert that I ever saw. You know, yeah. it's interesting. I think about the, the that kind of a thing. Back in the 90s, I went to see a band called Candlebox and fl the Flaming Lips opened up for him. And the Flaming Lips at that time, it was, I'd never seen anything like that. I mean, there was lights and pinwheels and all this stuff going on. And, yeah. and I'm a fan of their music, but the show they put on in the 90s, it was just, it, it was crazy. And it's weird how sometimes those opening acts really do go in, hopefully ringing a bell and, and, and cementing an image. And obviously, Dr. John did that for you. Yeah. Well, speaking of opening acts. So I saw the Mahavishnu Orchestra in Chicago at a place called the Aragon Ballroom. And it was, you know, it, it, it was um, crazy. But in those days, fusion bands you know, could sell out rock arenas, you know, yeah. 10,000, 20,000 seat places. Um, saw Weather Report, you know, many, many times in Chicago in huge, huge venues. But anyway, the opening act at the Mahavishnu concert was Aerosmith. Wow. It I'm was not surprised. Like, oh, who are these guys? You know, it's like, we don't want to see them. <laughs> Bring on John McLaughlin. No, but it was just kind of interesting that, uh, but yeah, it, it was amazing how many, you know, large uh, format shows, Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock could sell out. And it's just kind of, you kind of scratch your head and say, how did that ever happen? And why doesn't it happen? Or, you know, I know, so. I know there was more of an adventurous spirit. I think it was before everything gets calculated. It's like baseball. Like, how do you take a pitcher out when they have a no hitter going? Why are you doing that? You know what I'm saying? Like the metrics are almost messing everything up to a point where it's like, there's no improv spontaneity. And obviously, you know that you're a jazz musician. I just, I'm blown away by it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it was, uh, I guess I was lucky enough to be around in that time. It was kind of a you know, you know, golden age for that kind of music. Uh, yeah, and yeah. It had a really um, imprint on me, you know. So, yeah. yeah. So what brought you to Kansas City? I have a job with this guitar manufacturer as a sales rep. So uh, I have a region I call on in the Midwest, and it's uh, it's here. So that's, that's what brought me here, yeah. What do you like the best about Kansas City? Well, the music scene is just great here. I can't believe how cool it is, uh, yeah. these and I'm, I get out in the clubs and I'm able now to kind of 
sit in with you know local musicians. They kind of know me a little bit here in uh, in town. Even though I don't have my own band, I'm not out playing in the clubs with my own thing. I get to play with other people here and there. So that's a really cool thing. And you know the the musicians are welcoming and you know really good players in town. And yeah, it's just amazing that on any given night you could have you know 10 under 15 places where you could go out and hear live jazz which yeah i don't even know if, if like you know, in, in chicago has that kind of uh scene going you know i, I don't know you know it's weird but, uh, man i hear that a lot you know i'm mean, in, in big cities too i mean obviously not new york but even in a place like la and other places oh, they're like uh, yeah. la is is a jazz I, I mean i don't know about other popular music but it's it's uh you know, there's nothing happening. I mean, there's just, it's just nothing, you know? Um, yeah. So it's very, very cool. Um, so I enjoy that about Kansas city. Yeah. So in this journey of being a musician, what do you like the best about it? I mean, there's all these aspects you record, you play live, you, you know, promote, you do all these things, but what, what gets you out at bed every day? What do you look forward to the most? Well, the thing that's amazing to me about, you know, about music is on the place it takes me. Um, I'll sit down, you know, with a with a synthesizer, or, you know, workstation because a lot of the music on that album I composed here in my apartment on a synthesizer. Um, so, um, you know, I'm doing all the parts. I'm doing all the keyboard parts, all the bass parts, um, in some cases, drum parts and percussion parts. Um, but it becomes this kind of world that I can kind of uh, think into where, you know, time, um, you know, it doesn't exist. It, it, it you know, really becomes time uh, out of mind where I can just, you know, hours go by and I'm in this place and there's a lot of energy in this place. And it's, it's this, you know, creative um, process I go through. So to me, that's just you know what i love doing i love it and it's 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 a great feeling i love playing live as well and i can find myself sometimes you know sinking into that that same experience when you're playing live as well um but it's i guess it's kind of a selfish thing but it's how it makes me feel that i yeah. love the best you know, i mean i i do um i i i let's see how to say this i don't think that i'm playing in a selfish way however um I'm doing it because of really how it makes me feel more than how I, I'm trying to make other people feel. I got if that you. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I dig it. Yeah. So you know, the interesting thing about fusion is that you know when you talk about jazz, you think about the ECM years, you think about Weather Report, you think about that whole trend. And I was interviewing someone the other day, and they were talking about you know around the time that all of the fusion was coming out, there was a fear that acoustic jazz was going to go away. Maybe it was the fear when Bob Dylan went electric, you know, we're going to not have the acoustic folk, which is such a weird, absurd notion because I don't think it's ever going to go away, but who knows? So my question to you is, is that obviously it didn't affect acoustic jazz. It came back. It's evolving. How do you feel about the state of jazz in 2023? Um, I think, you know, first of all, just to go back to what you were saying about acoustic music, I mean, I play a lot of acoustic guitar on my album. I also use a lot of acoustic bass, upright bass. So, you know, I'm using acoustic instruments all the time. So, you know, again, I just, I kind of look at it all as, as all one thing. I really don't, you know, put, you know, lines around things yeah. or, or put, you know, music in a box. Um, I just don't do that. Um, and I think that, um, you know, whatever 
suits a song or you know suits a mood is the instrument that I'm going to want to hear. I'm going to want to use. Um, as far as the state of jazz, you know, you know, I don't know. It's 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 kind of sad as far as if you look at the whole commercial world of music. I mean, my stuff is on Spotify. I've had you know many many thousands, tens of thousands of downloads. You know, my royalties are probably I, I can buy a pizza. You know. With the royalties I'm getting off of Spotify, so you know you can't make money with recorded music. So I think you know, um, I think all musicians are just kind of left with you know live performance. Um, yeah. and so you record, you know, to promote you know live performance, or you record, you know, to because you just want to do it. Um, but it's not a money making uh, enterprise. Um, I think that Kansas City is a cool place because you have a jazz school, UMKC, and you got all these young kids coming out and they're playing jazz, you know. And I see that in other cities where you have you have young people playing jazz. I'm not quite sure what happens to all these young people because it's hard to make a living playing jazz, right? It's, it's hard to hard to make a living playing music, period. Um, so I think it's it's. Um, it's a little scary sometimes i think when a kid you know graduates after four years and he's got a major in you know trumpet you know where is he going you know with that where can you go so it it it, it kind of concerns me that way and there's other schools that um you know special uh, you know specialize in audio recording and and production and you know things of that nature and they're charging you 60 grand a year like like a major university would except you know you know, you graduate from, you know, Harvard or Yale, you're going to you know, have a pretty good chance of getting a job of some kind. But, you know, you, if you graduate from, you know, one of these other universities, I don't know about it. I don't think they're going to be able to place you in a, you know, quote, as a producer or an assistant to a producer. Or I think it's 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 kind of, uh, it, you know, it's high risk. It's a high risk uh, endeavor. Anyway take my hat off to the kids who are still playing jazz in schools and i think that there are players coming up i just don't think that you know commercially there's a lot of um viable places where um we make them you know they can make a living you know yeah so it's concerning so speaking of the kids you know you've been around elder statesmen and veteran players throughout your life what did you glean from them, whether from, from them dispensing verbal advice or you soaking in by osmosis? What did you glean from them that you in turn teach younger players that you get around? Well, there's a couple of experiences. One I just had recently, but, um, you know, one was way back in Chicago when there was a club in the Playboy Club, if you remember that, where they had, had a little house band and, and the house band was jazz trio, piano, bass and drums. And um, they were hiring this rock and roll um, singer. It was a woman. She had a record out, and it was kind of a rock thing. So they wanted to add a guitar, you know, to the house band so that it sounded a little more rocky. And so I was hired, and I got to play this gig. And um, so the house band guys heard me play and go, "Wow, you're you know you're a good player. Why don't you play with our set?" Because they would do an opening set, you know, prior to this show with this girl. And I said, sure. And I went up on stage and I said, you know, do you have some sheet music? Where? No, no, there's no music. You know, just listen. And if you hear something you want to play, you know, play. And I'm like, I don't know these tunes. I don't know these changes. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm up there, you know, and it's like one, two, three. <laughs> what are we doing? You know, and so and, and they were very welcoming and open. It was just basically like if you want to play something, play, you know, and I've sat in at the Blue Room. 
uh, you know, a number of times here in town. And in fact, just, uh, I guess, two weeks ago with, um, you know, kind of a house band situation. And then a couple of jazz giants were in the, actually came and sat in. Bobby Watson was there and uh, it was the same thing. It's like, okay, you know, Scott, come on up and, and play. Okay, what are we playing? I don't know. One, two, three. You know, you're just you're just there, you know. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta you know. So I think that's you know, one of the things that I, I think is amazing. But that's the it's like a brotherhood, you know, and it's like if you're in the brotherhood, you can figure it out and you find your place and you know, play what what fits. And um so that you know, to me is you know, it's it, it's not like a lesson that was ever taught, but it was something that um that I I grown to uh, appreciate and enjoy. <laughs> Let's let me ask you this: If you could get into a time machine and see a dream jazz show, go back in time, where are you going? Who are you going to see live? Has to be John Coltrane. Has to be because yeah. you know, the impact he had on jazz, um, and of course he had his different phases. And I know you know toward the end of his his career he was getting you know pretty out there on the music was really kind of experimental and atonal and all that kind of thing so probably not you know that era but you know probably the the quartet when it was at its you know its height um you know love supreme era you know kind of thing yeah so that yeah for sure so everyone out there has a perception of you family friends fans but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Wow, that's an interesting question. I think um, I think you know my playing is interesting because it's it's really a combination of things. I mean, I when I get up on stage at the Blue Room with the Fender Stratocaster that has a whammy bar, you know, some of the older jazz guys look at me like, "Whoa, what is this guy doing here?" You know, because because they're used to the big jazz boxes and the guys who sit down and kind of play that kind of thing. So I think that I'm I'm kind of an anomaly in that way. That I I mean I I, I can I'm comfortable in all these worlds, but I do my thing in these worlds. I have my sound. I have my my approach, and it's definitely more emotional. It has the kind of the um, elements of you know rock players like you know jeff beck or the the intensity of john mclaughlin at the same time though i think i'm a little more melodic and maybe more sensitive to um uh you know maybe kind of more jazz uh uh i guess influences so i you know the answer is i'm a combination i'm a, I'm a combination and, and my writing you know um you know my tunes again i think if you listen to them you'll hear all kinds of influences in there you won't hear you won't go, oh, you know, he's a this or he's a this. I'm hard to put in a box, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. But um, you can hear, I mean, a lot of years of playing, because I've been playing since I was, you know, six and I'm 67. So that's a lot of years of play the guitar. So yeah. you can hear a lot of that in my playing that I'm um, serious, I'm accomplished. Uh, you know, you know, my technique is, you know, strong. And I've listened to a lot of different kind of music for a lot of years. So that's probably if i was going to say anything about well, you know who is this guy i'd say yeah that's kind of who he is so so if anyone wants to pick up spheres any of your previous work learn more about you anything about your world where can they go yeah there's a couple places of course you know spotify youtube um you can listen to the uh you know to both albums and stuff previous to the those albums um it's also available on um soundcloud Bandcamp.com. Um, I think 
those are all the kind of typical places where this stuff is. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. excellent. Scott, it's so great to run into you. It's great to, I mean, I love doing local, and this has been a very unexpected surprise. So thank you very much for opening up about the album, your world of music. I appreciate it. And hopefully I'll see you out on the scene. Were you talking about the Monday night jam sessions at the Blue Blue Room? Um, played the set, uh, um, yeah, sometimes then, but sometimes Saturday night with okay. um, the Jazz Disciples. Um, right on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to I'll have to get in there and take a look. So hopefully I run into you. But Scott, this has been great. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right, thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Chicago, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Scott for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.